Welcome, welcome to Parallel Church. We're excited that you're here. If you're visiting us for the first time, special welcome to you. Uh, we called our church Parallel because we want to come alongside. We want to come alongside you and your family in whatever way we can. We want to come alongside our communities. That's why we're very active in our communities with My City Care. We're active in communities we don't even have churches in. We're excited about, about that, and, and we want just want to come alongside and to take that vision. And we want to come alongside for love and impact. And for we call we our slogan is for love and impact, and we chose that because our we're following Jesus, and this church is all about Jesus. We're not, I'm not much for religion, we're not much for religion. It, it, we're, we're for Jesus. And uh, some of you might be confused and going, I thought Jesus was a religious leader. Actually, opposite. Jesus kind of came and said, I came to abolish all that garbage. And, and religion is man's attempt to get to God. And Jesus was God's coming to us. And we follow Jesus. And his command was, love one another as I have loved you. And, and uh, Jesus kind of loved extraordinarily, and we feel like being followers of Jesus, it's our mandate to love others and, and do what we can to love like Jesus loved. And so that's what our mission is. That's what we're doing. That's why for love and impact, we're going, that's what we want to do. And so welcome, 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 and welcome to all of you joining us online. Welcome to Jen and Peggy and Tom and Lisa and Anthony and Michelle and uh, Kate and Ernesto and Judy and Kelsey and Jackie. Welcome to all of you guys and everyone else is joining us wherever you are around the world. Welcome to you. And welcome to our campuses as well, Tabor, Claire's Home, Okotoks, Lloyd Minster. Welcome to you guys. Welcome to part four of our series, Minecraft, where we're taking on mental health. Yes, we're talking about mental health in church. And the reason why I felt like this is an important topic is, is well, the Bible talks about it a lot. It might be surprising, but, but also we're living in a time where just in the last year, uh, statistics, uh, Stats Can came out with a statistic that showed that there's been a 5% increase in Canada in, in mental health cases of people dealing with depressions, anxieties, and fear. That means that 1.9 million more Canadians are dealing with mental health issues today than they were a year ago. That's, that's alarming. And honestly, if, to being honest, I think that number's a little low. Because, I mean, let's just be... According to their stats, one in four of us in this room are dealing with some sort of mental health, depression, anxiety, PTSD issue. But if, if we were all to be a little bit vulnerable, um, I'll be one, I'll be vulnerable. I think that um, with all that, this last year and a half, two years, has leave, left us all with a little bit of PTSD Right? I mean, a, a lot of upheaval, a lot of uncertainties, a lot of fears, a lot of questions, a lot of anger, a lot of all that kind of stuff, and, and turmoil and financial and stresses, extra stresses, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it'd be impossible to be human and not to come out a little bit phased from what we've gone through. So I felt like this is a great topic for us to talk about. Let's talk a lot about mental health. But when we talk about mental health, and I started this series this way, it, Dr. Milena... Uh, Yes, uh, Dr. Milena. She told us to call her Dr. Mila. So, but she, she taught Pastor Ralph and I in a, in a course that we took last year um, for talking about, you know, um, 
psychology and mental health and, and, and all the training that we're going through as chaplains for the fire department and helping you know, first responders in that regard. This is what she says. She says, mental health is not about feeling good all the time. It's about being able to see things clearly free of distortion. And I thought that's a really powerful statement because I think a lot of us, we, we base too much and, put, and rely too much on our health based on our feelings. Come on. But let's just be honest. Like Feelings are legit. They are a, 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 you know, an indicator of something. But feelings, if your feelings are like my feelings, and I think they are because I think we're all human in the same way, our feelings are fickle. Anybody else? Like up and down and all around. Like I mean, you, you can't make decisions just based solely on your feelings. And if you do, man, you're going to be schizophrenic. You're going to be all over the place. And if we, if we base our mental health on just our feelings, then, man, today I can say, well, I'm feeling pretty good. So, man, I, I must be healthy. And, but yesterday, you know, I was just kind of a down day. I must be unhealthy. And you, you get into this kind of this, this, this idea where, I, am I healthy? Am I not healthy? And we get to the place where, listen, if we're dealing with mental health issues, Sometimes we need external help. We need counseling. We need somebody to kind of coach us back to health. And if we base that decision based on our feelings, then, you, then you, you, when you're really down, you're like, I'm going to get help. I'm going to get help. I'm going to get help. And then all of a sudden you have an update. I'm good. I don't need help anymore. And how many know that's not always the true indicator? The other thing is, is that if you're feeling down a lot, then you automatically assume, because I'm dealing with depressions, I'm dealing with things I end up dealing with, I'm just not as up as I used to be, I'm just, I'm tired, all of us. There's, you can deal with a whole lot of things and, feel, and automatically assume because you're feeling down that you're mentally unhealthy. That's not necessarily the case, too, because sometimes you're just plain tired, right? Sometimes there's a difference between tiredness and weariness, tirednesses of the body, wearinesses of the mind. And sometimes there's just there's times where you can get a little, a little bit too anxious because you're not feeling good and automatically assume that I must be mentally unhealthy because I'm not feeling as up as I used to be, da, 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 whatever it might be. And let me just give an example. If feeling good is the prerequisite for mental health, then we should probably throw away two-thirds of the New Testament. Like what? Because Paul wrote most, two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul the Apostle wrote most of his letters from dungeons, from prison, where I don't think he was feeling good. Just, just, a, just a thought. Like, I think he was under persecution. He was, he was under, uh, you know, strenuous circumstances. It wasn't, you know, cushy little prisons like, you know, what we, like, it, it wasn't nice. It was a dungeon. It was, it was, it was terrible. And he wrote most of our New Testament, our spiritual advice from that position. And I'm thinking, if feeling good is mental health and how healthy was he, then we shouldn't listen to it. But yet, I think he was, he was crazy. And in fact, he wrote this. He kind of reiterated what Dr. Mila said 2,000 years ago, he wrote this in, in 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 6. Look at this. He says, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. He's writing this from prison. <laughs> like, if he just looks around, this is not exactly wide open, spacious. Like, he's in prison. 
And they're reading this and going, yeah, Paul, we don't want that wide open, spacious life that you're like. But no, he's like, I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. He wasn't talking about circumstances. He was talking about something else. He says, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Which there's so much in this statement. First of all, he says, you're fenced in. You're feeling small. And the word fence again caught my attention because we talked about this a couple weeks ago where, you know, Solomon wrote in Proverbs that above all else, guard your heart. And not talking about your physical organ, but talking about your subconscious thinking. Guard your innermost thinking, your innermost being, because out of it flows everything. Everything from life flows from that. The original Hebrews, it, it actually reads this way. He says, guard your, your subconscious thinking, your, your innermost being, because that will determine the fence line or the border that your life is going to live under. It's going to create a fence. Paul says, the smallness you feel isn't caused by us. We didn't fence you in. We didn't put the borders on you. The smallness, that fence that you feel that you're bumping up against, that's not caused by external circumstances. That's not caused by us. That's, not caused, that's caused by something that's going on within you. That's what this series is all about, is uncovering what's going on within us so that we can live 2022 most expansively and, and the best year yet. And we can, the smallness that we feel... Look at the, he said, the smallest that you feel. Again, don't pay attention to that feeling. Because he says, that feeling is not the truth. Because he goes on, he says this, your lives aren't small. You feel it, but it's not the truth. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. And then he says this, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Then he says, open up your lives, live openly and expansively. Man, that's my prayer. Like, just like Paul is writing as a pastor to this church in Corinth and saying, I, your lives aren't small. Don't stop living them small. The smallest, the limitations you're feeling, that's not caused by us. That's not caused by anyone else. That's not caused by the Romans and the persecution. That's not caused by the circumstance around you. That's caused by something going on within you. And I, my prayer for you, Paul says this, is, to, is that you open that up and live expansively, live to your fullest potential. And I read that and I feel like this, that's why I'm doing this series is because as your pastor, I'm feeling the same way for you. Let's not live small. Let's not live beyond, you know, be below our greatest potential. Let's open up and live expansively as, and openly as we possibly can in all of our lives, in, in our marriages, in our businesses, in our finances, in our health, in, in our mental health. Let's live openly and expansively and realize that the smallness that we feel like we're dealing with or the limitations that we feel aren't caused by it. And let's stop blaming governments and health officials and, and, and whatever it might be, you know, blaming spouses, bosses, whatever it might be. The smallness of the limitation you feel isn't caused by you. Isn't caused by them outside circumstances. It isn't caused by God. It's caused by something going on within us. So we've been talking about how to identify some of this inner things that are going on in our heart. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we talked about naming and, and taming it and learning and catching what our mouth speaks. And if we, if we catch ourselves speaking something 
negative or limiting or, or you know, fearful or whatever, then we, then we can catch that in saying that's an indication that, that something's going on within our heart. And we, we identify that and not, not so that we can filter what we're saying so that we can identify. Because filtering what you're saying, how many know? You can filter for so long. Eventually it's going to break down. It's not about filtering what we say. It's about dealing with the root and what's going on in the heart. We learned that. And last week, we learned that sometimes even our prayer lives and how we pray is actually building a higher fence, a smaller fence, because we pray, if you're like me, and I'm still trying to break this habit, is I pray the problems too often. I list all the problems and start talking to God about all my problems and all the things that I want him to do. And the more that I talk about my problems, the more I empower them in my own heart, in my own fear, in my own life. And instead, Jesus taught us to pray. He said this. He said, he said, our Father who art in heaven, you know, he says, reveal who you are. And, and, and he says, as you pray this way, your focus will begin to shift from you and your problems and begin to shift to your God. To your God. And when you do that, then he says this next in, Math, in Mark 4. He says, have faith in God. Didn't say have faith in the answer. He said, have faith in God. And then... In, and we read the rest of, you can read the rest of the verse. It's up there. But then he says in the next verse, in verse 24, he says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, many Bible teachers focus on this verse. Many Christians focus on this verse and say, Anything I pray for, anything, anything believe it. Just believe it, and you'll have it. Now wait, wait, wait. Jesus had a really key ingredient in there. He says, before you can believe for everything in prayer, you need to first, verse 22, have faith in God. That's of most importance. And once that focus shifts from your problems and you begin to have faith. Now, now listen, faith isn't a religious word. It isn't, a, it isn't talking just about belief that I, I believe, and we, we associate that, that I faith, if I believe enough, I'm having you know, the level, degree that I believe, that, that I have, that's my level of faith. That's very limited thinking on what faith is. Faith, according even to the dictionary, faith is this, is a, a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So what Jesus is saying is he says, pray, Father, Reveal yourself to me, and as he reveals himself to me, then I can now begin to shift my trust, my confidence from even the answer, from myself, from the circumstances changing. I begin to shift my confidence and my faith into God. And the more that my confidence and trust shifts to God, the more faith I have. Then when I have full and complete confidence and trust in God, then I can speak to my problems, and then I can ask for anything in prayer, and it will be answered. But it's all about my faith, my complete trust, my confidence in God. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 11, talking about faith. He says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God trust in God. This faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. No, you know what I read in that, in this verse? Is I'm reading this. I'm reading this. Christians 
you have an unfair advantage. When it comes to our mental health or emotional health, just dealing with life, as Christians, as Jesus followers, we have an unfair advantage. The reason we have an unfair advantage is because we can put a complete trust and, and complete trust, complete, not partial, complete trust in God. And that is a firm foundation. There's lots of things that I can trust in and I can put confidence in, but eventually it's not as firm. It's going to give out. Eventually it's going to give out. It's not going to be the firm foundation that God is. And I don't know how anyone goes through life without having someone to completely have faith in and trust in that won't give, let you down at some point. I don't know how you go through life without having that faith. In God, I don't know how, like going through all, how to deal with mental health without having God to cast your cares on, a God to trust in, a God to hope in. I don't know how you do it. But as Christians, listen to me, we have an unfair advantage, an X factor. That's faith, that, that fundamental trust, firm foundation. We have that. That's an unfair advantage. But here's the thing. We don't always take advantage of that advantage. And we end up, all of us, end up battling things we aren't our battles to battle. And we end up in fights that aren't ours to fight. Because we forget, or we limit our own thinking. Our, remember, the limitations, the smallest you feel... I want you to open, live expansively, open. I want the smells you feel something within you. And sometimes the thing within us is this whole idea of who our God is. And we don't fully understand who our God is. Let me, let me show you. Mark chapter 6, interesting story. It says this. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came... He began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed, which that's good. I mean, they're, they're amazed. That's good, right? Sort of. This is what they said. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Again, great questions is good. Jesus comes home. He goes into the synagogue. He begins to teach, and everybody in the synagogue is listening to him and going, wow, where did he get this wisdom? And wow, you know, where are these miracles? How? Wow. And, and that's, that's good to me to be awed by Jesus. That, that's good. Except that's not the, uh, the wow that they were asking. Because look at the next verse. It says this is what they were really asking. Isn't he the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Watch. This is what they did. Let's put ourselves in the story. Jesus comes home, walks into the synagogue, steps up in the synagogue, and begins to talk. And he talks and with an authority, and they're looking at it going, first of all, why is the carpenter talking in church? Isn't this the carpenter? Why is he talking? All right? Secondly... And he's doing miracles and all the rest of it. What gave him the right? He's the carpenter. He's been trained to be a carpenter. He's not supposed to be doing all these things. Like, isn't this, isn't this Mary and Joe's son? I mean, isn't this, this is the kid we grew up with. They're like, 
Like, who's he? And they're offended with him. It's like, okay. Now watch what happens, though. Jesus said to, to them, to his disciples, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among the, his relatives and in his own home. So what Jesus is saying is, he says, man, I can go outside of Nazareth. I can go outside of Galilee, and I can go to other parts of Israel, and I am honored, and I am respected, and people know who I am, and they listen to what I say. And he says, but I come home, and that honor is not there. And here's, here's a, a vital principle that we need to pay attention to that we can learn from the story. And one of the, the vital principle is this, is that sometimes familiarity kills the anointing. And another thing we can learn is that sometimes our expectations or lack of expectation can kill the answer that we're looking for. So what do I mean by that? Sometimes your familiarity with God, I'm just going to be really, I'm going to hammer some stuff today. Is that okay? Because we got to change some of our theologies, Western Christians. Okay? We've so emphasized that God is our friend that we've missed that God is our God, that he is king. And God is our friend? Don't get me wrong. He promised that. He said that. But we sometimes so emphasize that Jesus is my friend, Jesus is my friend, that we have done the same thing where we have lost some of what Jesus, who Jesus is, and that part of Jesus. If Jesus is your friend, let's just put it this way. If Jesus is your friend, and Jesus is the, the forgiver of your sins, and that is it, then I, you'll get to heaven, and you won't be lonely on your way there. But you won't experience the fullness of God in your life. Why? Because look at this. They were so familiar with Jesus that they missed his anointing. And it says this. He could not do any miracles there. He could not. It doesn't say he would not. It says he could not. Wait. This is God in flesh. This is God himself. This is Jesus who walked on water, who raised the dead, who made blind men see, who, I mean, who, who rose again from the dead. This is God. There is nothing that he couldn't do. And yet it says here that he could not, God could not do miracles there. What? Could not except for lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. That's pretty good. <laughs> but his disciples are looking at this, and this, his disciples wrote this, and they retold this to John Mark, who then wrote this, and they were reading about it, and, and so he could not. The disciples were awed at the fact that it didn't, it, not that Jesus didn't pray for miracles, it's just that miracles didn't happen. And they're looking at this and going, it's Jesus. Like, could not. Why? And what? Look, this is, this is what Jesus said. Jesus answered the why. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Okay? Listen, we just learned what faith is. Faith is the complete trust and confidence and confidence in someone. Something. 
Jesus wasn't talking about he was amazed at their lack of faith for miracles. He was amazed at their lack of faith in him. This was just Jesus, the carpenter. And if you expect Jesus, the carpenter, he's just the, Jesus, the carpenter, he might build you a house, but he's not going to perform a miracle for you. And he could not do miracles. <laughs> what? In our own lives, this is what I want you to see, and this is my, my point of bringing home, is that the God you perceive is going to be the God that you receive. And when Paul says, the smallness that you feel, live expansively, all the rest of it, if, if, when Paul says, I don't want you to live small, I want you to live big, the biggest thing that you need to understand, even when it comes to our mental health and all the rest of it, is that if we, if we limit God to just the forgiver of our sins and just a friend, then we miss out on the miracles and the power and the potential of what God can do in you and through you. And what we learned last week is when you pray, Jesus said, pray, God, reveal yourself to me. He's saying, reveal yourself. Reveal all of yourself. Reveal to me. And this is what I want you to see is in 2022, I want you to live expansively. I want you to live the, the best life yet. I want you to see something. And what we, what we can do as Christians, we have an unfair advantage. That unfair advantage is that we have a God to cast our cares on. We have a God to lean on, a firm foundation. We have a God. But listen, the God you perceive is going to be the God that you receive. And if you're looking to God just to be your friend, he will be. But he's so much more. You're missing so much more. And in our prayer time, what I want you to do is, is put away the list. Put away the begging God to meet all your needs. He's not your sugar daddy. God is so much more. So much more. And in 2022, if you could just pray, God, reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. You're going to see something. You're, you're, something's going to happen. Something's going to shift in you. And it's, you're going to be in a place where you're going to allow God to do miracles beyond what your wildest expectations. Not because you have such great, great, great faith in the miracle, but because you have such great understanding of who your God is. That's what I want you to see. Now look at this. To bring this home, there's a story in the Old Testament that you're probably very familiar with. It's the story of Abraham and Sarah. You know, God shows up in person to Abraham when Abraham was 75 years old. Okay, 75 years old, and God says to him, in person, you're going to have a son. You haven't been able to have children, you're going to have a son. And 75, and, and, and Abraham's like, um... I don't know at this age if I want to start with, you know, kids. I'm like, I'm going to have a son. Okay. That's one thing for me, God, but you know how old my wife is? I'm pretty sure he didn't say that. Because uh, he lived a couple more years. <laughs> but watch, God shows up in person and tells him that he's going to have a child. If, I mean, listen. I have a hard enough time, you know, believing in faith when I, when I get a sense that God spoke to me. But it'd be a lot easier, don't you think, to believe that, yeah, this is going to happen if God showed up in person? 
God showed up in person four times to Abraham to tell him the same thing. And the miracle didn't happen until 25 years later. It was, in, it was next to impossible at 75, but it was impossible at 100 for them to have children. And they believed. Listen, God showed up, and the miracle didn't happen immediately. God showed up and said, you're going to have a son. It didn't happen immediately. Just because God said it, it didn't happen immediately. It took 25 years. And what happened? What changed? You know what changed? And I want to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you. There's two verses in Genesis 18 that all of a sudden everything changed. And here's what happened. It says this. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? I can understand Sarah laughing. She's in her 90s, and she's going to have a child. You'd laugh too. Thinking, I think Abraham's lost it. This is what he said, God said. <laughs> look at, we can look at this and go, I'd, I'd laugh too. But, but look at, the, the, the Lord says, why did she laugh? And say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, why, why, why watch? There's a powerful truth here. Because why did Sarah, in her prayer time, focus on the answer and the problem? This is what the Lord is saying. Why did she say, is it possible for me to have a child now that I'm old? Old, where's her focus? Her focus is on the miracle. Her focus is on, is it possible? I, I, I'm old. Like, how is this possible? Like, yeah, I, I wish it to happen. I would like it to happen. But how is it possible? And in one sentence, all of a sudden, the Lord goes, is it possible to have a child now that I'm old? To, is anything too hard for the Lord? And in that one question, you can see the shift from focus. From the problem to God. Here's what, here's the miracle that happened. This is Genesis chapter 18. This is the beginning of the Bible, 18 chapters in. God has only revealed himself to mankind up until this point as, as Elohim, God the creator. They worshiped God because he created the heavens and the earth. He spoke into existence. And that, that's the God worth worshiping. He's the creator. But the creator also set in place some laws and some rules. And one of those rules that, that, you know, like gravity and different things that he put into place are kind of rules. God the creator put them in place. One of those rules is that old women shouldn't have, be able to bear children. That's one of those rules. And I don't know if that's for the woman or for the child. I'm not sure. But there's a law that the certain age, women, right, your body's, and you're not, unable to bear children anymore. That's a law that the creator put in place. So when Abraham and Sarah, who only saw Elohim as God, and God shows up in person and says, you're going to have a child, they're still seeing God the creator, you put into place some laws. And God shows up here, and what you don't see in English, but what is in, in Hebrew, what, you, what, what shows up here is, is God says, I am El Shaddai. And he says, anything too difficult for El Shaddai? which El Shaddai, that's Hebrew, for God Almighty. In other words, here's the revelation, is that God's not just the creator, God's the Almighty who has the ability to reverse, change, adapt any of the laws he wants at any time, in any way. 
So he can make the sun stand still. He can cause waters to part so that you can walk across on dry land. He can, he can cause uh, a lion's mouth, hungry lion's mouth to be shut in Daniel's case. He can cause fire not to create damage to a human body in three Hebrew children are thrown into a fire. He can cause uh, water to be walked on by Jesus. He can, I mean, all these things, Elohim, all of those things break the rules of Elohim. But because Abraham saw and perceived God this way and God revealed himself as, as an, in another way all of a sudden nine months later after that sentence nine months later Sarah bore Isaac the only thing that changed wasn't the promise wasn't God the only thing that changed was their perception of him so here's here's what i'm saying the god you this is your takeaway the god you perceive is the god you will receive in 2022 the god you perceive so this is why this is why i'm saying in your mental health and your capacity and your fences the smallness you feel the smallness you feel isn't about you get your eyes off of you it isn't about the circumstances get your eyes off the circumstances it's not about the problems get your eyes off the problems what we need to do is recenter our focus and make our prayer time this year saying God reveal yourself to me God reveal yourself to me not just the God that I perceive right now God reveal all of yourself to me I, I, I want more I want a friend I want you as my friend yes but I want more than that I want to see I want you as your my forgiver of my sins yes but you're more than that and the God you perceive what could you accomplish if you just simply had this unwavering confidence and trust is anything too difficult for God is anything too difficult for God if your focus is there you ain't living small anymore how do you build that well Paul told us in Romans 10 you might be familiar with this verse another translation says faith comes by hearing hearing by the word Look at this in the Passion Translation. It says this. Faith, then, remember, confidence and trust, is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the Holy One, the Anointed One. In other words, it's all about Jesus. It's all about relationship with Jesus. I need to know Him, not just know about Him. I need to know Him, all of Him. All of him. So that means, listen, that means you come to church not just out of religious requirement, but you come to church because you're like, I, I need to know more about him. That means you read your Bible not out of religious duty or responsibility, but because you're seeking to find a God who can part waters, who can walk on water, who can make the sun stand still, who can, who can raise up the dead, who can, there's nothing that's impossible to God. You read it and saying, I, this, look at who this God, look at who my God is. And your faith will be built up. That means when you pray, stop talking about your problems so much and just say, God, reveal yourself to me. Because the God you perceive will be the God that you receive. Let's pray. God, reveal yourself to us.
Holy Spirit, you're with us. You're the unfair advantage. I pray that you'd help us to see you, all of you, to understand that, and then help us to place our trust, our complete confidence in you. Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to run through a prayer with you right now that does exactly that. It's not joining a religion. It's not joining a church. It's simply a relationship with God. Uh, so if you want to close your eyes, bow your head, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, to become my Savior, to become my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you today. My heart is yours. In Jesus' name. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time and you accepted Jesus uh, into your heart, I would encourage you to fill out this form uh, that has been posted in the comment section there. Click on that link, uh, fill out that form, and we would love to be able to send you a Bible and help you along in your new journey here today. Uh, and congratulations as well. This is an amazing, amazing decision.